I'm well, a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below 500. I'm just Captain Fun. I guess. Or a captain suit, the show from now on. I don't like the half point. Well, that's called the hook. I don't like it. What the hook How do you get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm going to have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job, but you guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. Upset when did you turn a, into Cliff Clavin? I like this job. <laughs> I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one. This is a chemistry lab. I'm on the verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't help what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing this for <laughs> other people's entertainment. You are truly enjoying this. This is Orange Nation. With Stephen Fonte and Paulie Sebelia. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Uh, no Pauly Sibilia today. I did see him in the office. That's a good sign. Uh, he will be back on the air tomorrow. Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco with you. Taking you up until 2 o'clock on Orange Nation. No 315 today. Brian Higgins enjoying a couple of days off. We've got uh, several guests lined up for you. Coming up at 1230, Jackson Roberts will join us. He's the host of the Football Outsiders podcast and a producer um, for the MLB Network. So he'll be on with us at 1230. The Hall of Famer Jim Beham, 1 o'clock. And then Evan Miyakawa, data scientist and statistician. He will uh, join us coming up at 1.30. Jordan, by the way, raves about this guest. I look forward to talking with him. And then we'll uh, take your phone calls throughout at 315-437-7644. So once again, uh, together again, uh, Mario. Good seeing you, Steve. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Jordan's writing me a note. I'm just curious what he's what he's saying. Just, just I didn't tell expect him. you guys to stop and keep going. Okay. I was to note, so it it seemed the urgent the yeah, way yeah, that yeah, you were scribbling on the weather. Uh, if you're looking for Crunch Weekly tonight on okay. ESPN Syracuse, you won't get it. Their game tomorrow has also been canceled. Yeah, they're um, red hot right now. Six yeah. out of the last seven. Yeah, this we- the weather's a thing. Like they canceled a, the yeah. Sabers, the postponed the Sabers hockey game against Tampa Bay, Buffalo. The Bills are leaving tonight. Yeah. to get out to Chicago. Um, yeah, it's it's not going to be pretty. Um, uh, NFL games. I think everyone except the game being played in Miami was going to be played in temperatures that are, are, are twenty or below, like as in twenty degrees or or below that um, uh, across the the NFL. So, um, not a pretty week to play games uh, outdoors. Yeah, the forecast uh, for the Bills game in particular. I just happened to see that uh, before Bridge Street this morning. They're they're talking about five inches of snow. They're talking about uh, winds uh, gusting to fifty to sixty miles per hour during the game. Uh, not exactly ideal conditions uh, to play football in. So something to keep your eye on. And I know we talk a lot about sports gambling on this show. Something to keep in mind as we as we make our our picks. Uh, I, I gave the, the under on that one. Uh, Forty and a half was the latest that I saw of that one. Yeah. Um, but and then the fade, number fade, number fade keeps my, coming down. Yeah, fade my picks. Uh, both of them. We're, we're pretty bad last night. So. Round Saints right now, currently one of the lowest totals. I suppose like, it 32 it, and a half or something like that. Yeah, it is nuts. If you yeah. 32 and a half, uh, I'm seven of the nine games in the NFL that have been the lowest unders ever have stayed under. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Good little nugget there um, from uh, from one Jordan Capozzi, who was right, by the way, about, on uh, fire. about full, Florida State, Florida Louisville State last, last night. night. I watched that yeah. game. Uh, uh, against Notre Dame, J.J. Starling had a great game. Uh, Notre Dame, big comeback at the end and, you know, threw the ball away. Kind of like SU uh, against Pittsburgh. Uh, 
did in late game situations. They had about five seconds left in the game and, and were trying to like lob it over the top to Cormac Ryan and, and threw it in the hands of a Florida State player. So Notre Dame not doing its part. Uh, we no, said at the time when, uh, when Syracuse beat them, we said it would be nice if Notre Dame was good. Um, and Notre Dame has not been good. They've lost four or five. They did beat Boston University in there, but uh, losses to Marquette, Georgia, Florida State last night. Um, you know, they've been snake bitten a little bit, lost a pair of one point games, but uh, Notre Dame not doing its part. Uh, the Irish now seven and five. We'll certainly talk basketball as the show moves along. Again, we've got Jim Beheim uh, coming up at one o'clock. He joins us at one o'clock every Thursday, but we begin with college football uh, and. Uh, and specifically Syracuse, coming off of signing day yesterday and now looking ahead to the bowl game. There is a press conference scheduled for today. Minnesota will talk at 1, then Syracuse will talk at 2 o'clock uh, to preview the pinstripe bowl. We'll get into the bowl game in a, in a minute, but and what stood out to you from signing day yesterday? Uh, one, the, the talent that he thinks he's bringing in from the state of New York is no, not slighting football uh, in the state of New York, but it's not, you know, High school football in you know the DMV in in Pennsylvania in Texas in Florida and that's why Babers in the past has gone outside of the, the the state looking for talent but the guys that he thinks he's bringing in uh, he, he thinks can play here and, and you know maybe not right away um, but being able to contribute and, and that's what you want to do at least the guys uh, that ha- have come maybe from the Rochester area or downstate in the Bronx that that haven't come to Syracuse lately. Um, he snagged them this time. You know, he got the big guy from Buffalo uh, that helped lead Bennett to a state championship this year in the highest classification here in New York. Got a couple of guys uh, from downstate and the big kid from Albany. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things that, that stands out and kind of how he attacked the transfer portal this year of, as he said, you, you want that, that big car, so to say. You don't, you don't want that little car. Uh, when it comes to a wreck, and they went out and got five offensive linemen and four defensive linemen with with size. You know, I look, you know, three hundred twenty pounds, three hundred seven pounds. You know, uh, when you're looking at a glaring weaknesses at both sides, that that's you know they were small up front, and he went and attacked it. And, and he's talked about getting bigger up front, right? Because when when he first got here, it was about speed. It was about orange is the new fast. It was about having. Um, you know, sleeker offensive linemen who could, um, you know, being snap able, the ball every yeah. twelve seconds get or whatever it was, field, and and they've they've moved away from that, and and now they're looking to get bigger. So I, I think that that's one of the things that certainly that stood out to me is that um, they have an area of need. It's the offensive and defensive line, and of the twenty players, uh, essentially half were linemen. You know, they, nine of the twenty. Either offense or, or or defensive lineman. So that has certainly uh, certainly been a focus uh, during this cycle. Another thing that yeah, go ahead. What were you saying? I, I was just saying you'll you'll probably touch on. I think the big thing and everyone is waiting for is is what Sellers going to do, and, and you know if he comes here, what's that say on the Syracuse you know program and coaching staff? Uh, another kid turning Syracuse down, and and I kind of don't look at it that way. I see their quarterback room, and Brent Axe has touched on it in his show. I think it's fine. You know, what I saw out of Justin Lampson in the spring game and what he's, you know, capable of, and right now, if you look kind of on a depth chart, you know, he would probably be the third quarterback, and, you know, that's what you have out of your third quarterback. I'll take that, and, you know, if Sellers doesn't come here, I don't see it as a huge loss. Well, 
I go both ways. Because on it. He is, he's a very thing. talented player, right? So okay. I, I think he's a. I, I do think he's a very talented player, and I think he's somebody that SU fans could get excited about. So I would, if he doesn't come here, I would say it is a big loss. However, I do agree with you in that I don't know how much it says about the Syracuse program. Like yeah. I, I don't think you need to read into it. No, it's a South Carolina kid who. You know, would be staying at home. An offer from and his hometown, would, or you not know, hometown, but you know, probably be making more yeah. in the way of NIL money. So I, you know, I don't know if you look at it and say, well, it's because you know Robert and yeah. I. No, it's. I mean, he's got a great relationship with Jason Beck. By all accounts, Jason Beck's going to be a great offensive coordinator and has a bright future here. And he's done a very nice job with the quarterbacks that he's worked with along the way. And Lenora Sellers, by all accounts, is a great talent, and he has the potential to be a special player. I do think it would be a loss if he doesn't come here, but I, I don't think you need to read into it any further about SU or what does that say about the coaching staff or Jason Beck or Dino Babers or anything like that. I think it, it more so is, you know, it's a, a kid who may end up staying home and making some more NIL money where he is. Here's the thing, and, you, and you've seen it played out. Look, uh, look at Texas, for instance. Uh, they're bringing, you know, Archie Manning is, is the prize recruit. The quarterback that they brought in last year was the number two quarterback. So, like, He's going to want to play. Like, sure. obviously, they're going to probably play Archie Manning. Like, guys are going to leave. So, you're going to get four and five star guys that, that are sitting somewhere. Clemson just brought in the, the I don't know, number two rated quarterback or, or whatever. Um, is he going to want to sit and wait three years? That, that People don't want to do that these days. So, when you can go out and get, we've seen we got Garrett Schrader, we got Carlos Del Rio Wilson, you know, Pittsburgh. Every single quarterback on Pitt's roster this year is leaving. They brought in four new guys. Like that's happening in more places, uh, you know, that we're seeing around the nation. So, you know, yes, it, it would be great to have a talent like Sellers uh, on this football team. I think that you can, you know, look at a transfer portal these days and say, "All right, well, this four star isn't playing there. Like, right? Maybe and, he wants to go somewhere." And there's not as much urgency. With that particular position, as you mentioned, because you've got some depth at the quarterback position. Plus, Garrett Schrader has already said that if he's playing college football next year, and he plans to play college football next year, he's going to do so at Syracuse. And so you've got your starter. You've got you know Carlos Del Rio Wilson in the fold, Justin Lampson back from injury. Um, so you've got options. So this is really something that you're looking at a year and a half down the road, yes. right? Where you, So you've got a year and a half Once again, to we could be out. looking at it within a year from now and being saying... Oh, maybe all three of those guys leave again. Like right. you don't know, right? And and that's you know the, the transfer portal like, is a, is a beautiful thing in yeah. that way. They could go out and you can get a, a really good uh, quarterback who can come in and fill a need. Obviously, you would prefer to have him than not. I'm just saying, and I'm with you in that. I don't think it's the end of the world if he doesn't come here, but it's certainly a loss. Yeah, you I mean, don't want to continuously lose out on on, right. on talented players like that. Like I get that, I understand that, but like it happens. Yeah, it's a, it it's is not a, like Alabama would be swooping in and getting him. Like you're you're losing him to and, and an again, stake. And I'm not the, these Maybe. situations are completely different. But I mean, I'll just bring up you know Dior Johnson is an example of people yeah. thought like the <laughs> the sky is falling because Dior Johnson you know changed his mind a hundred different times and ended up at Pittsburgh and you know that's a serious situation. Yes. He's not even playing right now. He's indefinitely suspended from the team while they try to sort through his his legal issues but you know that was an example of it it was a you know it was pitched as a mutual parting of ways and i think Syracuse basketball is is glad We're that they parted happy that Judah Mintz came in yeah, yeah right i mean so 
you know, again, you look back at uh, go back in time to, and I know it was a different time, but Hakeem Moore coming here, exactly, you know, because yeah. uh, you know Julius Hodge decided to go to NC State and a scholarship opens up and he comes here and lo and behold, Hakeem Warwick is having his jersey retired this year. So it, it, things can work themselves out. So you would prefer to get him than not get him, and I, I do think he could be a special talent, but uh, life will go on if Lenora Sellers decides what to What would worry me else. is if you're not in the mix for players like this, and we talked about it on the basketball side. Like, if you're not in the mix for uh, Dior Johnson at, at the time, and, and, you know, that would start to worry me as to where your recruiting is, um, but it, it doesn't. Like, they're constantly in the mix on the basketball side. Uh, on the football side, yeah, it's not the four or five star kids, but you know, you want to be in the mentions with you know SEC schools more than MAC schools, so to say. All right, uh, let's hear from Dino Babers from yesterday's press conference. He he talked about uh, the recruiting. Um, he spoke in generalities, didn't really get too much into into individual guys, but the topic of the coordinators uh, obviously came up and. Um, you know, Nick Monroe has been named the interim DC, and even though Rocky Long is now on board and on staff, uh, Long is just observing at this point, and Nick Monroe uh, will call the plays in the bowl game. Uh, he was asked, Dino was asked, uh, if Nick Monroe eventually will be a defensive coordinator. First of all, that would be personal conversation between me and Nick. I would never say anything like that. Anytime you have the opportunity to get a master, okay, you have to look at it like this. Uh, if you get an opportunity to, to, to work underneath one of the top defensive coordinators, that time you spend with them is going to be growth, and you're going to acquire knowledge. And if you acquire that knowledge, that's going to make your, your company or your situation even better. When you get an opportunity to get Rocky Long, you can't turn that knowledge down. Okay? Not only can I not turn it down, but if you're in that defensive room and you want to run that defense, you can't turn it down either. We're talking about the guy that coached. Tony White. We're talking about the guy that coached that other coach who just got a, an opportunity because of something extremely sad happening. Um, but now that person's going to get an opportunity to be a head coach. And they were all coached by this guy that's out that's on our campus right now that our players get an opportunity to interact with. You can't pass that up. And uh, I think it's a you guys will decide because you guys are in the media, but I'm okay with the decisions that I made with those two positions. So again, that that was the the question that was posed to him was would he would Nick Monroe be eventually the defensive coordinator here? And so Dino said, "I'm not going to get into those conversations." And then proceeded to explain why he hired Rocky Long, who is you know one of the architects of this three three five defense, and you know by all accounts seemed like he was the top choice the first time around, and. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, he decided to stay at, at New Mexico and, uh, you know, after Zernet, and then they, they ended up with uh, with Tony White, who did a great job. And now you've got a chance to circle back and get Rocky Long, and, and Dino decided to jump at that opportunity. And he mentioned, you know, Zach Arnett. Zach Arnett now the head coach at, at Mississippi State. Um, obviously a sad situation with, with Mike Leach passing, but um, those guys – Learn from Rocky Long, and he says, you know, not really the the, the starter of the three three five defense was Rocky Long, but he's the one that has has brought this thing along, and we've seen it work here at Syracuse. And the guy knows how to win. He's the all time winningest head coach in Mountain West football history. So you know, it, it's not like there's going to be a, a, a clashing of heads between him and D- Dino. You know, Dino understands that this guy knows the defense, knows the ins and outs, and and I think we'll let him be now as far as Nick Monroe and will he step into that 
defensive coordinator role, I, I kind of do see that. I kind of see it as a you know a mentorship program uh, leading to to hopefully Monroe stepping into that position when Rocky Long says you know I, I want to step away from the game. He could be like a Paul Pascaloni though and coach until he's about 105. So who knows? Um, I I do think Nick Monroe is going to be a DC, and I I think it makes sense if he decides to stick it out here. Eventually, yep. be the defensive coordinator here. But for right now, that uh, that title goes to Rocky Long again. Just observing for the Pinstripe Bowl, Nick Monroe will call the plays. Jason Beck uh, is uh, of course calling the plays on the uh, the offensive side. Of one one more quick thing, uh, Nick Monroe. The players love Nick Monroe. Like that, if there's one coach on the coaching staff, I think that. That everyone you know loves and, and, and anyone you talk to, it's Nick Monroe. So you know they like playing for him. That he's you know one of the main recruiting guys. So um, if that time comes, I, I think that, that yeah, um, it would be a smart move to, to hire him. All right, we're going to take our first time out here on the show. Phone lines are open if you want to check in three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. How important is this pinstripe bowl? We'll get into that next on ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Pauly Sebelia. No Pauly Sebelia. He'll be back tomorrow. Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco with you up until 2 o'clock. And we kick off hour number two, as always, on Thursday with uh, the Hall of Famer, Jim Beheim. Brought to you every week by Oswego County Mutual. Uh, Coach, great to have you on. And, uh, you know, now that the, the dust has settled, uh, we're a couple days removed from from Tuesday night's loss uh, to Pittsburgh. What uh, what stands out to you from that uh, 84-82 setback? Well, we obviously didn't play well early. Pittsburgh's a good team. Um, they're a, a much-improved team. They have four, you know, fifth-year, six-year players. A lot of veterans that know how to play. Uh getting better all the time, but we had a horrible start to the game defensively uh, and offensively, really, but especially defensively, we just didn't execute. There's nothing wrong with our defense. Uh, we held Cornell below what they do by, you know, something like 20 and Georgetown by 15 and uh, Notre Dame 10, 12 points below their average. There's nothing wrong with our defense, but when we don't execute it, when we're standing, it's not good. No defense is. So, with you know, the second half, we had to press. We went with a smaller lineup. Uh, I thought Quadir Copeland really gave us a huge lift with our defense. He's our most aggressive defensive player. Um, Pittsburgh missed, took three or four shots that were at best, debatable, questionable. <laughs> and we were able to get back in it. And the last play, we tried to get it to Jesse, which was the right play, but he was covered, and, you know, we didn't get it someplace else. But uh, it was an unbelievable comeback. Uh, but it was a horrible game, horrible start, and, uh, you know, we've got to play better than that in the beginning. It's a tough league. Everybody's good. Boston College beat a top 15 team last night, Virginia Tech, and they had lost to Maine a couple, three weeks ago. It's a tough league, and you have to be ready, and if you're not ready and you don't play well, you're, we should have lost the game by 20 points. That's how we played. I mean, you can say it's a two-point game, but you're not going to get back in games like that very often. 
teams are not going to make mistakes like that. And we have to play better in the beginning, and we're not. And we fortunately, we get six days of practice if we can get everybody back up here on time and uh, get ready for the next game. It's early uh, in the league, and we've got a, a lot of work to do. Coach, when you look at this team this year, um from years past, uh, as far as, you know, playing guys, and obviously it's, you know, you've never been one of my uh, numbers. You know, I play six if I have six. I play seven if I had seven. Is this one of those years where really at times you don't know what you're getting night in and night out, and that's why we're seeing the fluctuation in who we you're have, playing? We have three players that we know we can count on, and uh, that's not obviously enough. And, you know, Benny had a couple good games. Chris has had a couple good games. Malik Brown's had two good games. Um, now Quadir has a good game. Justin Taylor had a good game. Um, but you, Samir's played well at times. Maneer's um, been a pretty good, solid backup center. Um, but nobody has been able to get the job done. I just think I mentioned five guys and really for two positions and none of them have played well enough to say, uh, this is my position. And when you're playing five guys rotating in two spots, that's not a good sign. You, you really don't want that. It's hard to get settled in. And, uh, in practice, those guys are, you know, really in Going by practice, Benny and Chris are the two best players. That's why they've started. And Quadier's had good practices. Malik has had good practice. Justin Taylor's had good practice. Samir's had good practices. All six guys have had good practices. But the two best players were have been Benny and Chris, and they haven't really got the job done in games. Uh, one so of the, you try somebody else. One of the questions, uh, Coach, that's that's come up uh, is is why not uh, no John Bull the other night uh, who had, you know he'd done some he, good things. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he had two horrendous games in a row. Yep. Uh, you know you have to go by what you just see, and uh, he's got some academic issues that he's working through as well. Um, so we're we're he probably won't play until he gets those straightened out. Um, another uh, question that's come up in the last couple of days with our callers and whatnot, and and you touched on it right there with you said Benny and Chris they've been playing the best in practice. Um, has there been some thought given to shaking up the starting lineup, or what goes into that uh, from where well, you sit? You have to understand we shook it up last game. Right. We took those guys out and didn't play them. Yeah. <laughs> so we're always going to be open to doing that. And we've done that before. Um. But again, I don't think that's the answer, but certainly uh, anything's open right now. I understand you scored 82 points last game, but you talked about the offensive inefficiencies in that first half. And talking with Joe after the game, talking with Jesse and those guys about when teams pressure him, is it you know more how Jesse needs to react with the basketball or how the other guys around him need to react once that pressure is on Joe and you're trying to get it down low to Jesse? You know, Joe did a good job. Joe had a good game. Um, Jesse got, got pushed outside of his comfort area, 
and we had a lot of trouble getting him the ball. And when he got it, he was outside the lane area, and he's, he doesn't operate well there. He got pushed around, and everybody in the league, everybody's going to play him that way from now on in. Uh, early in the year, Notre Dame and a couple teams are not physical teams, but these teams are going to be physical. They're going to push him out, and he's got to get used to that and be able to play through it. Uh, through all of it, his rebounding and defense has been good. But there will be some games that he he struggles offensively. And I think the guards have been really good. I think we're not shooting well from the three-point line, and that's something that uh, is obviously a big concern. But, uh, you know, if we can't make threes, we're going to have to find another way to score. But our problems are really resolved around the forward positions. We need to get somebody playing better in those positions and, uh, I think if we can do that, then we'll be a, a, a pretty good basketball team. When you looked at the game and you saw and you, you touched on, you know, we pressed because we had to. We were down by 20 points. But is it something that, and you said, obviously, you know, Jesse might get in foul trouble if you do it more. That he you, won't you thought might. About? Go ahead, it's sorry. not might. Yeah. He will get in foul trouble. You have to understand a press is a double-teaming situation, which most of the times – the teams are going to get through and now put Jesse in a two-on-one situation. And that's where his fouls were the other night. If we were pressing in the first half, he would probably get two fouls within seven or eight minutes, and now he's out of the game. You're taking your best player out of the game. And most teams are pretty good against presses. So it's 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 really a weapon that won't work if you are concerned about keeping Jesse in the game, and I am. And most teams handle pressure. You know, Pittsburgh, for whatever reason, they don't handle the ball quite as well as, as uh, you would think they would with, with a basically pretty small lineup. But, again, that's not a, a, a way for us to go. It is. I think somebody said we were desperate. It was a desperate move to press and to put Jesse back in the game. Yeah, it was. Ten minutes ago, you're down 19, 20 points. You're desperate. You do whatever you can to try to win. But we're not a pressing team. It's not what's best for us. And we have to play better half court. And we have to get off to a better start. I'm not sure there's much we can do about our three-point shooting. Um, We may have to... You know, we in in a lot of games we've taken fewer three point shots. I think that might be better for us. But basically, we've got to get the forward position playing a little bit better. All right, coach. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, last one for you here. You, you got some time off, and and you got Boston College coming in next. And as you mentioned, they they won last night, beat Virginia Tech, and uh, there are no easy nights in the ACC conference, huh? Or in college basketball. Yeah. That's just the, the game. Everybody has some players. And uh, if you're not careful, people can beat you, and that's uh, especially if you're not really strong. I mean, a really dominant, strong team can 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 win. They may have trouble, but you can win. We're not a dominant team, and we have to get better. The bottom line is we're just not good enough right now, and we need these days of practice to get better. We've had splashes from our forwards. So it's not that they absolutely don't look like they can get something done. All Really, all, all of the forwards that we're playing have had good games. 
We just need to get some consistency from somebody. Yeah, and that uh, that certainly comes with uh, with having young players, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, well, it well, we're one of the youngest teams in the country. Pittsburgh's one of the oldest, and we're going to play a lot of those teams. And it's just part of the growing pains you have to go through. This team has done some really good things, and you know we've lost, we've won one close game, but we've lost three really close games, and that happens sometimes when you're young. Yep, no doubt. Uh, well, listen. Uh, I, I hope you enjoy uh, a few days off with uh, with your family. Merry Christmas to you and uh, and the rest of your family. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Absolutely. All right. Uh, there he is, uh, the Hall of Famer, Jim Beheim. Brought to you every week by Oswego County Mutual. And again, you can listen to the Jim Beheim Show tonight, seven o'clock on TK ninety nine, and then eight thirty, eight thirty to nine o'clock on Q Sports Talk. Dot com live from Carabas. And with that, we'll open up the phone lines. 315-437-7644. Got to take a time out here. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco, back with you here. On Orange Nation, we were just uh, chatting with Paulie during the break. He'll be back tomorrow. We've got uh, Evan Miyakawa set to join us in the next segment. Data scientist and statistician. And then uh, I know you're heading out, Mario, after that segment to uh, to get back into Channel 9. Press conference going on uh, as we speak. Minnesota addressing yeah. the media. First and then, time uh, we're and then hearing Syracuse, from the, the yeah. coordinators. You know, we, don't, we don't get to talk to the coordinators. Right. so it'll be Syracuse talks at 2 o'clock. We'll hear from Nick Monroe. We'll hear from Jason Beck. Marlo Wax, I believe, is part yep. of uh, that press Garrett conference Schrader, as well. Garrett Schrader. Um, so that's coming up at uh, 2 o'clock, and we'll, uh, we'll hear from those guys on News Channel 9 at uh, 5 and 6. As we get get you ready for the pinstripe bowl, um, anything stand out to you from our our conversation with Coach Beheim? Kind of, you know, his thoughts of what he said after the game in the press conference, and and I try to get kind of more clarification on when to press, when not to press, and, and you know, he's going to use it when it's in dire need. This isn't a team that you know I thought maybe it. Not the start of games, but maybe a couple minutes into the games, you might see it. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, um, you know Jesse Edwards without Jesse on the floor, the team's a completely different basketball team. I do and, think and if you, him. I do think if you use it a lot, it becomes less effective as teams prepare for it. And I think part of the reason we saw it, it was effective against Pittsburgh, is that it was so, it was different, that, right? Yeah, they, they put it on in the middle of the game. Um, you know, because they had to down by twenty, and Pitt got sped up. Pitt took some bad shots, turned the ball over a little bit. Syracuse got some momentum. I think if you're doing that game in and game out, again, good teams will be able to pick apart a press. And, and we talked about with, with the forward situation, and everyone asked, you know, what you see Copeland having a good game. You, you see Brown having a good game in the basketball games. Like he touched on it right there. He plays the guys that, are, that you know in, in practice have showed the most potential. You know, and. Is it getting frustrating? Yes, it's getting frustrating to to see Chris Bell with 18 rebounds in 257 minutes. Like, yeah, but he's he's playing the the cards that are dealt with him right now. We got our answer on John Ball why he didn't uh, play the other night, um, and uh, you know it's that that is the concern with this team is that they're 
and, and Jim Beheim seemed very frustrated the other night uh, after the game with with the play of his forwards. It's been a, a repeated theme, um, you know, with these games, and they they need more out of those guys. And and as coach said, and he's right, like we've we've seen good performances out of all of them. You know, uh, Tate. Taylor was great against Bryant. Um, you know, we've seen Malik Brown, you know, play well in spots when he comes in, makes the most of his minutes. Copeland was great the other night. Um, you know, Bell and Benny have both had their had their moments as well. They need guys to emerge and and take those minutes, and it, it just it hasn't happened yet. Take all of it aside, they still scored 82 points in that basketball game, and I think coming into the year, uh, Coach Beheim thought the defense w- would be the strong part of this basketball team, and, and the offense would have to come along. Well, I mean, they scored 82 points that hopefully would win you a basketball game. And the defense at times just wasn't there. You know, three-point shooting in the first half. What, Colgate hit eight threes. Nellie Cummings was six of 11 from behind the arc. Um, It's not one or the other right now. You know, sometimes it's both. Uh, What is interesting to me is, you know, how teams, and he touched on it, how do you not get bullied around if you're Jesse Edwards down low? Because teams are going to force you to do that. And and Pitt wasn't a, a bruising basketball team like we've seen in the past of pit basketball teams like Federico Federico was you know as skinny as you as a rail and you know shouldn't be able to do that but how do you kind of combat that when you know teams are going to do that against you yeah and i i think we've we've seen how teams are going to defend Syracuse and they're going to get physical with with Joe and Jesse they're going to let Judah and Samir shoot from the outside um and they're gonna they're gonna make guys other than Jesse and Joe beat them. And and can Syracuse handle that, right? Um, and I don't think people understand how hard it is, you know, for for Joe, for instance, when he's getting face guarded, it's hard to get good looks. And Jesse, when he's getting a double team, then, it's hard for him to get free all, down low when, he, when he's got set, double teams coming. Setting a screen too, Steve. yeah. And 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 coach hit on it. Yeah, Jim Allen brought that up yesterday, yeah. like. You gotta lay some lumber into these guys that that want to, you know, come off that that screener in Joe's mug twenty four seven. Like, you know, l- let them know you're there. It doesn't have to be extending arms and elbows, but um, yeah, it, it's tough for for a guy like that to, you know, he's a spot up shooter that you know can can come off those and, and pick and pop. But you, you need to be able to. Have a little breathing room, so yeah. to say, and, and that's why they need. I would never know that though. That's why <laughs> they need these fours to step up, though, because you know teams you, see that that's how you can defend and that's how you can beat Syracuse. Is if you you take Joe out of the mix by face guarding him, you double team Jesse, and can the rest of the team beat him? And right now, against good teams, the rest of, the rest of the the SU team can't can't win those games. How many times in that basketball game did you see? If it be Malik Brown or, or even Chris Bell, catch ball in the wing, there's no one that's going to come over and help on the help side when, when those two touch the basketball. Those guys got to be able to to get to the hoop, beat their guy off the dribble um, to, to create that mismatch, so to say, because of how much pressure is being put on a Jesse, is being put on a Joe, and, and how they're defending Judah. Yeah. Um you know, and as Coach Bam just said, they've got three guys right now that they feel like they could trust night in and night out, Judah, Joe, and Jesse. And and that's that's why the forward position in part is is so very critical. They they need one or two of those guys to emerge and to take some of the pressure off the 
those three. You know, you look at the other night, Jude had 24, Joe had 16. You know, Jesse wasn't great offensively, but still had the nine rebounds. He is a force when he's in the game. Blocked six shots. He's a force on both ends of the court. They need somebody other than those three to step up to take some of the pressure off because, you know, those three guys aren't going to be good enough night in and night out in the ACC. Maybe some nights they will be, but not not consistent enough to to where they're, you know, they'll, they'll put themselves in position to make the NCAA tournament. So, um, Few days off, you know. They've got six days of practice leading up to the BC game, and hopefully, they can figure some things out. Yeah, and he touched on you know probably not the, their Christmas night or whatever they're, they're supposed to be back for practice. So all the guys going home, hope they get back up here or, or where they're going safely. But it's not easy in the ACC. And I put a meme yesterday of a little kid running over in a big wheels truck of of someone. Because it's just a train wreck. <laughs> like, you look, the other day when, when Syracuse played, Duke lost to Wake Forest last night, Boston College winning in overtime, and, and you could go down the games that Boston College ha- has lost this year to teams. Um, you know, Miami beating Virginia. Like, you're going to get a good game every time you step out on the floor. So if you don't have your A game and if you're giving up eight threes in a first half and going behind by 20 points, more than likely – you're going to lose a game in the ACC. Yeah. Uh, these next two are, are critical. Uh, you can't give one back. You, you can't lose to BC at home. And Louisville, I know they've they've played better. Um, they're bad. They lost the lips. That's what I was going to say. They're, 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 not, a, a they're bad, not good. Yeah. They, they got to win these next two. Um, you know, start there, and then you can look big yeah, picture. But start yes. with these next two. Got to win these next two. All right, we'll take a timeout. Uh, Evan Miyakawa will join us on the other side. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. 